This week's message by Sarah Anderson is called The Rise of the Church, Power Evangelism. This is the second message in the series called The Rise of the Church. This week we will look at Acts chapter 3 and how power evangelism contributed to the rise of the church. Good morning. It's so great to see you guys. And hey, special good morning to you guys on the live stream. I'm so glad that you're watching. And I'd love if you guys on the live stream could do a little favor for me. If you can write a comment and tell me where you're watching from, I think it would be super cool. See who is watching from the furthest away. You guys in the room are obviously the closest, so you guys don't need to comment on the live stream. Um, But maybe we'll give you like a virtual high five if you're from the furthest place away. All right, well, this is our second week in our new series called The Rise of the Church. And Wilson shared last week about the events leading up to Pentecost and then Acts chapters 1 and 2. So we're going to pick up today and look at Acts chapter 3. And we're going to look at the question of how did the church spread? How does the church grow? How did the early church go from the 12 disciples to the 120 people in the upper room, to the two billion Christians that are in the world today. And there are patterns to the spreading of the gospel, and many of them are visible in the book of Acts. But I wanna caution you, this is not a history lesson today. This is not just something to say, oh great, that's how it worked back then. This is for today. The patterns of how the gospel spreads today are the same as how the, how the gospel spread back then. So this is for today. The church is still growing and expanding through these same exact patterns. So I want to encourage you today and for the rest of the series, be reflective as you listen. Listen and say, how does this apply to me? How can I take this and internalize it and use it as a member of the church, the collective worldwide church, how can I take this information and use it for the expansion of the kingdom? So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to gather together in person and to gather virtually and to be connected through just our heart postures of loving you, Jesus. I pray that you would open all of our hearts and our minds today I thank you for your revelation. I thank you for your wisdom. God, I pray you would speak through me today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's start with Acts chapter 3. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you've got a phone, go ahead and scroll there. We're going to start in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So let's pause right there. Peter and John were going to the temple. This was a regular occurrence for them, a frequent occurrence. This wasn't like their first time going to the temple. And you might say, well, why are they going to the temple? They're Christians now. Well, for them, 
Jesus' death and resurrection was a fulfillment of their Jewish faith. And so for them, they continued to go to the temple for a while. That was where they went to worship and, and to pray. So if they've gone to the temple before, and this man was brought there every day to beg, they've probably seen him before. They've probably seen him. They've probably seen other beggars. This, this was nothing new. But something different happened on this day. On this day, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Now, the word for look straight at him could be translated to they fastened their eyes on him or they looked steadfastly upon him. In today's plain English, I might say they stared intently at him. They really looked at this man. And this is more than just a glance or a look. There's an intensity associated with how they looked at this man. Now, notice that Peter and John aren't communicating, at least what we see here in the passage. It's not like Peter was like, nudge, nudge, like, hey, John, look at that guy. They both just looked at him and noticed him. They are prompted in this moment by the Holy Spirit. I think it's the Holy Spirit that is directing their attention to be on this man. In our language, in our culture here, we might say that God highlighted this man to them. Sometimes God directs our attention to someone or to a detail about a person. And if we learn to start to pay attention to those highlighted things, we can start to engage with what God's doing. We can start to engage and see where God is moving. So God highlights the beggar to them. And so they start to intently look at him. But if you notice, the beggar isn't even really paying attention to them. The beggar's probably just sitting there listlessly kind of bored, just continuing to beg. He's probably been there for hours and not really paying attention. So Peter and John notice him, stare at them, and then Peter says, hey, over here, look at us. And the man probably just thinks, score, like I'm going to be able to eat today. I'm going to get some money. This is going to be great. So picking back up in verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Okay, those are dry bones rattling. <laughs> those are dry bones coming back to life. That is an illustration of what that looks like. So the first point I want to make today is that the church spreads through boldness. Boldness is important in the spread of the church. So there's a couple different instances of boldness here in this passage. The first one is Peter demanding that the man look at him, that the man pay attention to him. Peter declared that he had something for the man. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but I do have something for you. He declares it and believed boldly that God was going to do something before God ever did anything, <laughs> before God ever healed him. You know, it's one thing to pray for someone to be healed, and then afterward to say, I knew God was going to do that. <laughs> I had faith for that before, I just didn't say it. It's a complete different thing to declare it first and expect it to happen. So where did this boldness come from for Peter? You know, Peter actually has a history of like kind of sticking his foot in his mouth, <laughs> of not, having, not being the most eloquent, not using the best words at times. He's been a little too much 
often, and a little too quick on the trigger, or actually sword, when he cut off the guy's ear the night before Jesus was arrested, when Jesus was arrested. And he actually denied Jesus three times. He actually went back to his old life as a fisherman after the death of Jesus. But Jesus came to Peter and he restored their relationship. He restored his love with Peter. And he spoke Peter's identity over him. And I think part of what's going on here in these early chapters of Acts at Pentecost is it's the continued redemption of Peter. It's Peter stepping into his identity. It's Peter stepping in to what he's supposed to do in the kingdom of God. He's stepping into the redemption that Jesus spoke over him. And so his boldness, Peter's boldness, was coming out of this alignment that he had with how Jesus saw him. His boldness wasn't coming out of his past because he really probably shouldn't have been bold based on his past. His boldness was purely coming out of what Jesus had spoken over him. Our boldness comes from God. We don't have to muster up boldness. We don't have to like dig deep within ourselves and say, okay, Sarah, come on, you can be bold. We don't have to do that. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the truth that we can be bold, but I think often, If it's in the interest of the expansion of the kingdom, God provides it. God gives that boldness to us. And then we have to choose to partner with it. We have to choose to step into that boldness and say, yes, right this minute, I'm gonna step into boldness. I'm going to be bold. I think that here in this instance, Peter was actually operating in one of the gifts of the spirit. I think that Peter received a gift of faith in this moment. And the gift of faith is when you're flooded with extraordinary faith in that moment for the particular situation you're in to pray extraordinary prayers. God gave Peter the supernatural ability to trust him for something completely out of the ordinary. Now, it's important to note that this gift of the Spirit originates with the Spirit. (laughs) That's the catalytic event, is the Holy Spirit giving Peter this gift of faith and John, and they had to cooperate with it. They are the ones who chose to look at the beggar, and then the beggar wasn't even paying attention to them. Peter and John could have looked at him, saw that he wasn't really paying attention, and said, oh, well, guess that wasn't really from the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna keep on walking. But no, they chose to stop, and they chose to engage with it. They cooperated with the Holy Spirit. Now, another example of boldness in this passage, boldness actually sort of bouldering bordering on foolishness is Peter reaches down, takes the man by the hand, and helps him up. Now, this was not just a casual, like, let's help you up nice and slowly, and I'm going to support you the whole time. I don't think. I think this was a fairly radical action. We find out in the next chapter of Acts that this man was 40 years old. He had been lame since birth. This man had never walked before maybe never even stood before. And Peter just reaches down and yanks him up and pulls him up to his feet. That's boldness, in my opinion. So he pulls the man up, and it says in the translation I read that the man's feet and ankles became strong. Okay, from my research, from my understanding, the English just doesn't do justice to what was actually happening in this moment. Luke, the writer of Acts, was a medical doctor, And so he describes this actually in the original language in very descriptive medical terms. The medical term itself is being brought back into its socket and straightened. Okay? 
I would imagine that that would be audible. Like there's like some cracks and some pops. There, there's some things going on. I think that would be visible and that would be audible. This man had never before walked and he went immediately to jumping and leaping around. He bypassed all the surgery, physical therapy, the years. Physical therapy, you're not just training your muscles, you're training your mind to know how to tell your muscles how to walk. He bypassed all of that to learn how to leap and jump in that split second. This is a mind-boggling healing, and it's just mind-boggling enough for the people all around to take notice and for their hearts to slide open, just to crack, to let the gospel come in. Verse nine, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The boldness of Peter led to wonder and amazement for all who were there, because these people also knew this man. They had seen him for years daily as they would go into the temple to pray, and they knew he was lame. Boldness leads to great harvest and great joy. The crowd was ripened and was ready to listen to the words coming out of Peter's mouth because they witnessed his boldness and the miracle. So diving into our second point, authority. Boldness and authority really go hand in hand. We can be bold and minister in the power of the Spirit because we know that we have the authority to do so. And it's the authority we hold that actually gives us the boldness. So you can't be walking in true authority without some measure of boldness going along with it. So in verse 11, it says, While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we had made this man walk? The crowd didn't understand what had happened. They were looking to Peter and John as if Peter and John had their own power and godliness. Now, interestingly, the same word is used here for how the crowd was looking at Peter and John for how Peter and John looked at the beggar. And I don't know if there's any significance to the same word being used there, but it's used twice in a very short period of time, and so it caught my attention. So I went out on a limb, and I created some graphic images <laughs> to show what I think is happening here. Now, I, I am not an artist by any stretch of the imagination, um, so we're going to pretend like I made these with the children in mind, okay? <laughs> we're, just, we're just gonna go for that. So here's my first lovely set of images, okay? So I have the beggar depicted as in the wheelchair. We know that he doesn't stay there long in the story. He hops up, but just to illustrate him, he's in a wheelchair. Then we have Peter and John in the first picture, and they are looking intently, and that red arrow is kind of like the gift of faith, that the Holy Spirit is directing their attention to the beggar. And then we've got people standing around and watching. In the second picture, the people direct their attention and they stare intently at Peter and John. And they say, something's going on here. Now, 
I don't know, but perhaps it's God that has captivated their attention. And God, even though they're not necessarily believers yet, God is directing them and almost giving them a gift of faith to look at Peter and John and to see, directing their attention that way. But picture three, well, Peter does the right thing. Peter doesn't take the glory. He doesn't take the fame. It would be very easy to say, look at all these people looking at me. (laughs) They are captivated by me. They are staring at me. You're right, guys. I am pretty cool. I I do have a lot of power. It would be very tempting, I think, for Peter to do that. But he doesn't do it. He does the exact right thing. And he says, why are you looking at me? Don't look at us. It's not our power, it's not our godliness that did this. And he directs people's attention immediately to Jesus. So if we pull up the next set of pictures, I know you can't wait to see how great they are. So we're gonna represent God with a cloud, just cause, okay? So Peter explains in verse 15 and 16 that it actually came from God. In verse 15, Peter says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, this beggar, whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, the beggar, as you all can see. So Peter's saying, no, 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 you don't need to look at us. You need to realize that it's Jesus. It's our faith in Jesus. And the faith comes from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. That gift of faith came through us, passes through us, and then goes and makes the beggar strong. So Peter's explaining. We'll get back to picture five and six, the next ones. We're going to hang out here on picture four. See, Peter knows exactly how and why the man was healed. It was in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Jesus that healed the beggar, the authority that Peter and John hold because of their faith. And Peter knew this because he had lived and walked with Jesus for three years. He had seen Jesus heal person after person. And he himself had been released by Jesus to minister in the same way. He had been sent out to cast out demons, to heal diseases, to preach the kingdom of God. Peter offered what he had. He had knowledge of how the kingdom of God works. He had authority and power to minister in Jesus' name. He might not have had silver or gold to satisfy the man's temporary needs, but he had something much better. And how often do we do that? How often do we ask God for a temporary fix? And we say, God, I've got this huge situation. It's been a cyclical situation in my life and it's been ongoing and it's chronic. Maybe it's chronic migraines. And you say, but for today, God, can you just take the pain away? And instead God says, no, I wanna heal you of the root of the source of this chronic condition in your life. So often we look just for that temporary fix instead of asking God for the complete fix. God's heart towards us is merciful. So boldness, authority, and now the next point, I wanna look at the results, the results of what happens when we move in boldness and authority. The result in this story is that people are moved to joy, they're moved to wonder, they're moved to amazement, and a harvest happens. So turning back to our graphics, the middle one here, the people turn their attention and their affection to God. They shift from looking at Peter and John, they hear Peter's message and they shift and they start to look to God. They repent 
and the gospel message changes them. And then the number of people grows. The kingdom of God grows. It says in the passage that 5,000 people were added that day. So I I didn't put 5,000 stick figures. That would have been a lot. But (laughs) the kingdom of God grows. There's a harvest. The expansion of the kingdom of God is the whole theme of the book of Acts. And even the theme of Luke, the precursor to the book of Acts. So how does it happen? It happens through proclamation, healing, and then phenomena of power and revelation. The miracle, the healing of the beggar, opened the doors and prepared these people's hearts to respond to the gospel. There's a double-edged sword with sharing the gospel. We proclaim it, we explain, we teach, we share, we share stories, we share testimonies, we use our mouths. Our mouths hold enormous power. In Proverbs 18.21, it says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. When we use our mouth, when we use our tongue to proclaim the gospel, it's the power of the kingdom. There's power of life in our mouths. But we also demonstrate the kingdom. We use the gifts of the spirit to bring healing, miracles, prophetic words, and all of those things to demonstrate the inbreaking of the kingdom in a tangible way, a visible way. And it's often the pairing of these two things that brings the expansion of the kingdom. Because really think about it. Let's say that Peter and John just said, hey, you stand up, you're going to walk. And you hear the crackle, crackle pop, and the guy goes leaping and jumping around, and Peter and John go, great, see you later. (laughs) And they walk away. The 5,000 people standing there aren't going to know what happened. They might say, oh, well, that was magic or that was a trick of the eyes, or that was witchcraft, and they're not not gonna understand what happened. There's a responsibility, if you demonstrate the kingdom of God, to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to explain what is going on, because people won't necessarily have a worldview for what's going on. So they have to go hand in hand. And sometimes, honestly, if we just proclaim the kingdom of God, and we don't demonstrate it, it can just sometimes sound, like fall on deaf ears and people just aren't really interested. They just think it's another argument or another quick fix or something else. We need to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And in this story, we see both. Peter demonstrates the kingdom of God, that comes first, and then the proclamation. And from there, the harvest. Chapter four, verse four. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This man was now praising God. He was operating in joy and amazement, and that spread to the crowd, and the believers grew due to that one miracle. So what is our response? I asked you at the beginning to be reflective, to think how this actually affects you, that it's not just a history lesson. And so we've seen how boldness and authority go hand in hand to result in joy and amazement and kingdom expansion. But how am I going to respond to it? You might have noticed that my message is titled Power Evangelism. And we talk a lot about power evangelism around here. It comes up quite regularly. And to be really honest, I know I was already honest about Star Wars with you guys, but to be really honest, sometimes when power evangelism comes up, I cringe a little because I'm not great at it. I 
I'm very confident in myself and the gifts that the Lord has given me. And power evangelism is just one that I've had to grow in. And it's one that I've had to consciously step into. It doesn't come as naturally for me. And so sometimes when it comes up, I just kind of mentally check out or I mentally write it off. And I say, eh, that's, that's for Wilson. I'm going to really support Wilson in his quest for power evangelism. And I'm just going to kind of stay over here in these gifts that I'm really comfortable in. But that's not okay. That's not a good mindset. But I realized I also need to change my definition of power evangelism and how I define it in my mind. And I realized that I used to equate power evangelism with stranger evangelism. And that's not good. That's not accurate and that's not right. And I think because I'm just a natural introvert and I don't do well with small talk, I was like, stranger evangelism, like, not for me. I'm just not interested. But that's not right. I, there's a wider definition of power evangelism that I needed to stretch my mind to encompass. Anytime that you use power, anytime you demonstrate the kingdom in relationship with somebody and it results in kingdom expansion, that's power evangelism. And you know what? I'm great at acquaintance evangelism, and I'm great at relational evangelism. And so I'm great at power evangelism. And I'm going to claim that, and I'm going to walk in that, and I'm going to say, you know what? That's it. And I'm not going to count myself out from power evangelism just because I'm a little weary of stranger evangelism. Okay? So if you're in the same boat as me, I am releasing you from that mindset, and I'm inviting you to step into this mindset. So I need to step into boldness and authority with anyone that God puts in my path. And I need to have my eyes and my ears open, just like Peter and John did, to look at the man and to really see him and to step into that boldness and step into that gift of faith and demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom. So that means like if there's a homeless person outside of a restaurant, I need to pay attention if God starts to highlight him. If it's the neighbor that I run into on my walk with my dog, that's an acquaintance of mine, I need to pay attention to that. If it's a lifelong friend that has a healing need, I need to be willing to step into that boldness and pray boldly for their healing. So I'm actively trying to remove the box that I've put around power evangelism. And I want to stay actively connected to the Holy Spirit as I move through life and pay attention to anyone he's going to highlight to me and ask me to engage with. So in that vein, we've already done some demonstrating of the kingdom here today. Jamie, man, stepping into boldness and authority. It was perfect. I was like, that. I could just not preach. We could just like listen to it, like have rattle again and have Jamie come up and demonstrate the kingdom. Like that'd be amazing. Um, But I do want to do a little demonstration today. We started with some proclamation. Now I want to do some demonstration. So I've been asking the Lord for some words today and I got a couple words. The first is pancreas. And so I feel like the Lord wants to heal some pancreases today. Pancreae? What's the plural of pancreas. Um, So whether that's like diabetes or blood sugar issues or cancer or tumors or anything relating to the pancreas, whether you're in this room or on the live stream, I just invite you to stand up. Even if you're at home, stand up if that's you, if you need pancreatic healing. Um, And then also flat feet. I think if you have flat feet, if there's pain resulting from that or anything, or you just want 
bigger arches in your feet. I don't know. Um, I think the Lord wants to minister to that. So if you're at home and you have those, stand up. If someone's next to you at home, have them pray for you at home. You can lay hands on people here. Just kind of extend a hand in their general vicinity unless it's someone that you came with. And let's pray. So Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I thank you for these people that are standing, that have faith in you. God, we ask that you would heal them. Pancreas, we speak to you and we say be well in Jesus' name. We regulate all of the hormones that are coming out of you, all of the levels. We say be healed, be made well in Jesus' name. And we speak to these feet, we speak to the arches of the feet, and we see, say be made perfect. Be made in the image of God. Go back to the perfect dimension, the perfect shape needed. Pain, you're done, you're canceled, you're gone. We speak healing and wellness in Jesus' name. All right, so if you're here, did anyone experience any healing? One, let's see. Okay, live stream, write a comment. Hopefully you already commented once so we know where you're coming from. So would you guys all stand with me and put a hand on your heart? Jesus, we thank you so much for today. God, I pray that your boldness and your authority would just flow into us, that our minds and our hearts would start to comprehend the hugeness and the vastness of what you've entrusted to us with your authority. I pray that you would open our eyes and you would open our ears, that we would notice the people around us, strangers, acquaintances, friends, family, and that we would step into power evangelism, that we would step into proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom for your kingdom's glory, for your kingdom's expansion, so that all will know your name and your love. We thank you, Father. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.